0: Mematonititangata, erotua
1: yaya, kataya eia, nga mekatua. If you believe in yourself, you can do anything.
0: Tēnā iwi, ena hapu, ena kā rangaranga maha o he mihi tēnei kia kaitaka katoa e whakaronga mai nei ki te hotaka nei a te Ahi Kā. Ko Maraia Rakuraku
1: ahau, I'm Maraia Rakuraku. And I'm Justin Murray and this is Te Ahi Kā on Radio New Zealand National. Today we're all about Waitangi, as in Waitangi Day. No doubt many of you are winding down after getting up at some very early hour this morning to put in the hangi or make your way to one of the many festivities around the motu.
0: Like me y'all, oh, four o'clock this morning at the unveiling of Te Whare Waka, a shelter housing waka in Wellington
1: belonging to Te Awa Iwi. While that was going on, at the other end of the island, Te Ti Marae in Waitangi was preparing itself for yet another full-on day.
2: During the day from 10 o'clock onwards we will have a number of sporting activities in conjunction with a, uh entertainment during the, during the day. And all that will run through to around about four, half past four, after which time the 23 waka that we are expecting at Waitangi this year will all uh, be um, come back to shore. And the day will be concluded by the uh, beating of the, of the retreat by the Navy.
0: Former politician Peter Paraone falls us in about the hosting responsibilities of his hapu at what
1: has to be one of the most significant historical sites in Aotearoa. Then we hear from the other side, one of the visitors to Teti Marai Waitangi, in a recording from 1992 with the late Tiarakinui Daim Tia Tairangi Kahu.
3: As Pacific people, we have a strong bond with those other people who are nourished by our great ocean and whose lives. Touch ours commercially as well as culturally. What then happens to our indigenous or bicultural concerns? A Samoan speaks for Samoa, a Tongan speaks for Tonga. So I ask, Ma way e Kawayatu Takukupu kitafiti. I believe that the treaty proclaims that we should always be together side by side whether that be in the corridors of power on the sports field at the beach in graduation ceremonies in television across the boardroom table or wherever else we may be
0: but before that join me on a boat trip to machu soames island the island resting in the middle of the wellington harbour when its management and ownership is returned to iwi. Nā reira, ki a koutou katoa, koe e nei. That's what's coming up in the next hour in our Waitangi Day special here on Te
1: Ahika. Ko te mea tautahi. Te Tiriti of Waitangi, the Treaty of Waitangi, was an agreement made between the indigenous people of Aotearoa and the British monarchy in 1840, which established how two sovereign people would deal with each other. There are some key
0: differences between the English language and Māori versions of the document, which have been the
1: cause of much dispute over the generations since it was signed. The different interpretations of the document and the behaviour of successive governments since then have been examined in detail since 1975. It's an important year, because it saw the establishment
0: of the Waitangi Tribunal, operating a process of truth and reconciliation to look at past injustices suffered by Māori and decide if the Crown has breached the 1840
1: document. One of the cases involves Taranaki Whanui Kita Upoko Teika in what is known as the Port Nicholson Block Claim Settlement Act part of which includes the Wellington Harbour area and its surrounds that includes
0: the islands of Matsu Soames, Makaro Ward and Mokopuna which
1: lie in the harbour. We joined Mariah on a boat as she makes her way to the official handing back ceremony on Matsu Island last November. Te hokitanga mai a Matiu.
4: My association with the island has been since about 2003. I was there for a writing the landscape course with Victoria University. I visited the island before, that's when I came to appreciate some of the history. And um, that season is when they started some informal guided tours of the island, so I put my name down to help with that. And since then I've been helping out Eastbourne Forest Rangers, usually over summer, Welcome people from the boats, um, taking some tours around the island, pointing out some of the, the landmarks and features there and some of the stories associated with it. But I still feel, uh, even though that association, seven or eight years, I'm only touching the surface of the, the depth of the history there, and it's always interesting to um, hear new stories about and experience it again. I just took out my nine-year-old daughter a few weeks ago for an overnight stay, and that was the first overnight stay I'd had since the writing course, and it was really, really precious, and the, the dock ranger was t- taking us around. And, we were, and I saw the, the, you the tuatara a- out, you know,
0: out in the the night
4: after the food, so it was great.
0: And it's quite a different perspective, isn't it, being in the harbour? Yeah. And seeing Wellington from that view. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's um.
4: Yeah, you feel like you're in a another little world in the on the island, even when you can see the, the the city. And my first overnight stay, we couldn't. It was sort of overcast and hazy, so you really felt cut off then. But every now and again, you'd see a ship in the in the fog. But it's got a. For, for me, the island is a microcosm of New Zealand. It seems to touch on so many aspects of, of Maori history and New Zealand settlement. Um, and the, the, the economic, eco- economy, the agricultural base, the quarantine station, then human quarantine station and impacts of World War One and World War Two. So it's a real mix on the island now. You've got the native vegetation re- returning and, and, nat- and natural wildlife, but there's also the sheep on the top and the huge old... Animal quarantine station, which is, you know, it's just a, it's a small slice of industry on the island, in, in my view. And all those elements are still retained, um, as well as you know, there's a, as well as some um, some of the the non-indigenous species, the macrocarpa is still there. And it's, for me, it's really wonderful today for it to be officially returned to to te Ate Awa, and for me, it's another, hopefully, a little. Story reflecting New Zealand's life as well.
0: What was your knowledge of Machu Soames as you were living here?
4: In my first few years, it was a quarantine station, and I really knew nothing about it beyond that. I could see it in the harbour there. I didn't even know that Forest and Bird were replanting it at that time. I'm, I don't think I was aware when it became a reserve. It was only, which was, it was only a few years after that. I think we're through a, a school group that one of my daughters went on. I was aware it was open to the public. It was 96, 97. I think I may have accompanied a school party and then after we took our daughter on a on a it was a birthday party visit there we pretended it was a pirate's island there was hidden treasure but I still knew very little of the stories there and I as I said it was only when I did the writing course in um, 2003 I realized the extent of history associated with the place and um, it really fascinated me and i in because I live close by in Moera and in, in Lower Hutt, um, there's opportunities to be more a part of it. And it's really, really precious to have this island in the middle of the harbour. People talk about it as the, the, the jewel and the crown. And for me, it's so special to have this small island now um, home to Tuatara, you know, that creature that existed here centuries and centuries ago. And um, it's, it's got its place in the wild, just 20 minutes away from the capital city. What's your name?
5: Uh, my name's Kay Griffin.
4: Which
0: organisation are you part a of? The Low the
5: Forest and Bird Society. Yeah. So you come out here often, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I've been here for years. It was for some of the plantings, sometimes it's some of the plantings. Because there's actually a forest and bird house. Yes, yeah, yeah, there is, that's right. Yes, It was <laughs> yeah, there is. it was... Very, it was was given, I think, it was handed over by the from the Department of Conservation to the, in, in, in um, saying thank you for the work that they've done. I personally haven't been very much involved in that, but I've certainly been very interested. I've you now got an adult family of six children and things, and you know we all have our setbacks in one way. But I'm certainly that's why I wanted to come today because I went to a meeting at the, the first bird. They meet at, they meet at the Hatbury Club first Thursday of the month, and they had somebody talking about the Tarruas, and showing lovely pictures, and then they had the uh, advertising this today, so I wanted to come. Mm, so we had to book. We couldn't just come. We had to book. Yeah,
0: thank and you. I can see how organised you are because yeah. you're wearing boots. Yeah. Mm. You changed your shoes yes, in I the funny yes. kiore. Hey, you. and you've even got your own yeah, that's right. walking walking yes. stick. Oh, I've done quite a lot. Mm. Oh, lovely. Thank you.
5: You're yeah.
0: I understand that you used to live on the island. Yeah, that's right. Yeah? For how long? Um, it was about... I was little. I'm not entirely sure. I think it was about a year and a half. So you were here with your family? Yes. Really fantastic. (laughs) So is this quite emotional coming back? Yeah, it is, rather. So did you go to school from here? Yes, and we used to get to school at about morning tea time. So every day you would catch a boat to school. How cool! Yeah. um, Well, you got a bit over it.
1: Well, there were a couple of times that we got stuck out here because of storms, and it was like, yes, day off school, but we still had to get up early and come down and check whether or not the ferry was sailing.
0: But how cool, you lived on an island, man. Yeah, (laughs) it was awesome. (laughs)
6: Could you describe what we're doing right now? We've just come ashore and we are being greeted by the uh, host tribe and we're proceeding to the uh, foray for the uh, biosecurity check.
0: And what happens in there?
6: What'll happen in there is everybody will be welcome to the island, they'll be given a brief roughly of what the island is and then they'll be asked to inspect their baggage... And uh, their shoes to ensure they're not bringing any items which are not attractive to the island.
0: And you're Eastbourne Forest Ranger, Matsu Slimes volunteer. Correct. And what's your name? Eric. Kia ora, Eric. It's
6: Kia
7: The
0: queer that wait at the bottom of the hill have just done a karanga to welcome us, welcome us on. Everyone's heading towards the do. And we begin our slow walk up the hill. Okay, were you saying that your grandfather? My grandfather,
5: yes, he was because ter- he was German, and uh, he wasn't an natural, He was interned here in the First World War the whole time, so my mother said they found it very stressful having to come out and visit him here. And he was a sho- bit of a showman and a boxer, so he was apparently he occupied his time teaching them to
0: box and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> yes. But that's just part of the history of the yeah, island, it's a, it's isn't it? That's what I'm saying. It is. Which is, you know, yeah. unpleasant. And, but mm.
5: yeah. and then it was later a quarantine. It became a quarantine station later on. <laughs>
8: O reire mi kia i si te pae mau ngō Taranati tītō, ea. Anei tātou kua tō nei, i rongi ngā enua mā. Hei ahā, i i tō Ono koko koutou ngā ngā reā ngā ōrāta. Wātau e takahi mai rā te ara pā nui i ngā rāki muri rā nei tēnei rā. Wata. Rā hea me mihi atu, meki papāta oi. Ko rā tau e tia ki ngā enua i tēnei rā. Papāta oi aramai. Aramai arama rā te Minita. Anā koko e tēnei. Me mihi atu, i runga i tēnei I rā I rā. o Taranaki o Anā koko e tēnā, friend, aramai. Nga koe, Lilia, nga mai, o tāe mai koutou ngā rangatira o te upoko o teika ki te Me hoki me, me, he me tiriti i rotu i, tenei, I maharaki wai i te anai, o o te to reira, neki pēnei, ara mai, tiki mai, ka kema. <coughs> ka re toaroa ngā kōru, ngā tingi ai tuakawaha mai ai koutou i rotu i e hui hui nei ai tātau. I tēnei wā ana kahoki e i te maharā ana ki a Bertels Generalist Venouans economic revolution realised by Just like this country were around – of the challenges we reaching out the boundaries This wonder would be our principles available to those In the land is our hope So the を in The man who ate the court you to go Rera, kare toroa ngā kout, o timata e tātau inunga i te rangi maria, me kīpē nei, me wai ungea i kona, uri noa, uri tēnā koutau, tēnā koutau, tēnā koutau, tēnā koutau. <coughs> e re re rā
0: te motu nehi, lo toko ia
8: o pariakana, lo ura e kata. Bye. Bye.
0: Kia to love. Now you mentioned in your speech that while the title of the island rests with you you will still retain the spirit of the past. What do you mean by that?
7: Well, when you look at the history, there were so many of our people here right through from the time of Kūpē that all of them must be acknowledged so that we came here in the 1820s and it was from that period on that we were here. But prior to that, there were many others that were before us. Also, there were many people from the settlement era that were here and contributed really to the island's well-being. Not only lighthouse keepers, but many others who worked consciously to ensure that the preservation of the natural habitat was there. And So this is a unique island in that sense. So when you come here, you're searched uh, to ensure you're not bringing any plants that may interfere or life that may impose on the special natural beauty of this place and what is here, including the tuataras, the giant wetters, and those others. So it's, it's that spirit that we want to keep alive.
0: Now with many of the treaty settlements, with the mainstream media it's often played out that Pakia have something to fear with Māori retaining ownership. Is that the case?
7: No, I think it's the opposite because as we've said, that this is something that we recognise as being for all of the citizens of this region. And now that we've opened it up so people can visit, but there are things, they come and they must respect what has to be done here in preserving nature and all of the introductions that we've been able to do. So it's open now, it's much different from what it was. So some years ago in my childhood, you weren't allowed here. And now we are, and we can have hundreds and hundreds of people visiting and staying and you know it's a place of sanctuary really it's a place of healing and we would like to do that a lot more for all citizens particularly our own people the young particularly if they come and stay here for a period there is a tranquility about the place and a spirit here that you know does play on you and that's important getting them away from the city letting them see nature And letting them see what it was like in the
9: past. Um, uh, Now
0: I'm talking with Mori love, and you're somewhat of a historian. (laughs) (laughs) So, how significant is this occasion today?
9: Oh well, it's it's an important part of the uh, of the entire settlement process. And I mean, this island, as its name. Uh, says takes you all the way back to Kupe, um, and 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 that's appropriate. Um, and you know now to have Dewey back here uh, after you know such a a long absence and um, really the exclusion of um, anyone other than those involved in quarantine activities, you know meant that uh, there was a, a strong severance. Of those traditional connections here,
0: so meaning it went from the ahi to, to to
9: kore. Yeah, well, it, you know, a lot of our people saw this as um, uh, really it was sort of associated with ill health. Um, not in not in Maori times, but in in, um, in uh, after colonisation, uh, that was that was the case. So, um, I you know, I think it's. There's, there's had to be not only a kind of a shift in, uh, in, well, in terms of the legal ownership, but in, but in, I think in terms of the attitudes towards this. Because
0: um, that's cause for a lot of mummy, isn't it? A lot of hurt.
9: Um, well, yes, I think so. But I think we've got to look positively at things. Although I am, I am concerned. You have a look at that. Really, any vestiges of things, Māori... Have been pretty much supplanted by quarantine stations. Um, there's hospital, the hospital sitting on where the old PAR sites were. Um, there's gun emplacements on others. Uh, so it's um, to an extent we're going to have to bring some of that underlying history back to the surface, as it were. And you know that's not going to going to be easy. Um, uh, and, you know, it, there's, a, there's a fair challenge here in terms of how this island is now redeveloped both as a cultural asset and um, in terms of flora and fauna. Coupe arrived here with uh, much of his family and so the name Machu and, and people get that confused and think it's the transliteration of, of Matthew. Matthew. Yeah, it has nothing to do with that. And it should be mātū. Not mātū, mātū. Yeah. And uh, mātū and mākāoro were both, uh, I say nieces, some say daughters of kūpe. But certainly they came here. And um, uh, I tell the story a slightly different way, that um, uh, kūpe um, w- was headed off to the, towards uh, Te to um in pursuit of a feke, uh, an octopus, um, which was sent. It is as some said uh, from a tohunga called Maturangi, and um, I won't go into uh, what was it going was
6: politics. on. Politics?
9: No, it wasn't politics. There it was, was a,
6: a wahine. It was a wahine. There was a
9: dalliance, <laughs> and uh, and so um, uh, once and for all, this was a matter that Cooper had to to sort out. So pursued this feke. Um, uh, into um, what is now Queen Charlotte Sound, and um, duly disposed of of, of the Feke, uh, but the eyes of the Feke uh, still exist. Narkaru, um, called now the Brothers, and it's interesting that the Tuatara that are now returned here came from Narkaru, from the eyes of the Feke, from uh, from so the Brothers. So are the Brothers? The brothers are at the entrance of Queen Charlotte Sound, oh, yep. so that when you cross the straits uh, on a walker, when you paddled the Wokka, you never looked left nor right until you'd passed the brothers. Um, it's a because those
0: were the eyes of the fiki. Yeah, mm.
9: it's a it's a and it's a wild bit of water, as you know, the Mikhail Lermontov. Sank mm. um, uh, as, it was, as they tried to take it inside the brothers. So even today, mm. you'd be very careful around, uh, around the brothers. Um, but the uh, Tuatara seem to like it here, and uh, they're thriving. And um, I'm not sure whether we'll see some today, but uh, they, they, might, uh, they might be able to venture out into the sunshine, but I'm assured they're okay. And people have had a look at them in the last few days.
0: So, Murray, he went in pursuit of the fiki. What happened to the nieces, Machu? <laughs> oh, what happened to the nieces, Machu and? Makaoro. Makaoro.
9: Yeah. Um, they remained here. Whether they remained on the islands here, um, I'm, I'm not sure. But um, the story has it that he left the women behind uh, because it was men's business. Um, and it, and it was, <laughs> um, in, in 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 that regard. So, you know that uh, connection between here and uh, and and uh, who is is a, and that's is how the island one. gets its name. So it's a little uh, to the, s- the southeast from here. Mukapuna is the little one, uh, which is sort of uh, northwest. Um, it it there's a little channel between. Uh, uh, Mokopuna, which you can take a Wakama through, or a waka tawa. We've taken a waka through there at high tide. Um, be very careful at low tide. But um, um, yeah, Mokopuna, and then there's some rock stacks as well off the end of the island. So the three islands
6: here. <laughs> Our people have been waiting for this a long time and one of the reasons I've come to bring our family to be here with them is that our tupuna, Tarangi Matoha or te Matoha and te Hautonga have always, have never left Somes Island uh, as you know in history that Ngāti Mutunga an unusual lot of people were the first to cremate and so When Tarangimatohoa came down here with Taropuraha and them, and he died, they cremated him because in those days, of course, they used to come and mutilate the bodies and take them bits and pieces here and everywhere. So they were both cremated here on Soames Island, and they've been there ever since. And today is the first time you can say that our whanau, Ngati Mutunga, has really come home. We have never left Wellington, never. And the thing is about Ngati Mutunga, right, Tarangi Matoha, all right, and Te Hautonga were the parents of Kaahe And you know who kahe was, don't you? Kaahe was the woman, one of the women, besides Topeora, who signed a treaty of Waitangi and who swam from Kapiti to the mainland with a baby on her back. Yeah, and her name was Rebecca, okay? And that's our... And then Kaahe uh, uh, Kahetaro, all right, had... Uh, the, the, the two daughters, Hene, Hene Brown, if you like, and the other one was uh, was uh, Mere, and Mere married Inia, and the last in that first marriage was my grandmother, all right, Ngarupi, and Ngarupi, of course, later on married the son of the Mai. Now, when you go back again, let's go back to uh, to Kahetaro. You came down in Mere. When our tupuna died, she married again, all right? And she married Naira Pomare, and that's the Pomare family. Oh. And so you see, so my grandmother and Maui were half-brother sister, all right? But of course, in Maui democles, there's the argument of who is the tokhana? There you are, so. But for me, it's not that at all. It's getting our people back together so that we can stand. There. So, Mutsuga in a sense, has never, ever left. And when we go back into the history and talk about, you know, Port Nicholson and all that, well, our family's right in the thick of it. But I want to say, our families, and this is what I love about Papa. sometimes somebody can get it all screwed up. And to me, so what? Out of all that, you know, be it on, as I said, the right side or the wrong side of the blanket, we are the descendants. And all of us, in you know, whether we like it or not, have Pākehā in us. So if we are rough in any way, I say it doesn't come from the Maori side of our families, but it comes from the European side. Yeah? And the Europeans married into us, and I'm going to say they're still here. We are the descendants of those people, whether they like it or not. And I don't see why Europeans could get upset about it. We're going to be here forever. We're gonna be forever in their face and day and hours. So come on, let's get on with it and make the best of what we've got, Kia ora. And so today, to me, it's been a very happy day for the for the whole. You can say the whole of Te Atua, Te tewa nuitonu. And to me, you know, if we're gonna say Te Mana Nui he then we must work as our Tupuna Te Fiti said. Glory to God, good, peace and goodwill to all mankind. And that's what we've got to follow. And so that we can wear our right feathers and show them and be proud of showing this is what it's all about. Be kind to one another. Kia ora
1: Nga mihi huki kitefano a mātiu. You heard from Tikido Matsu, Mori Love, nga tata love, Martin De Jong, and Kay Griffin. At the handing back ceremony, returning matsu, makaro, and mukapuna islands to Taranaki whanui ki te upoko o oteika.
0: Photos taken during the day are at our website
1: radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. That's T E A H I K A A. While well, there, you can subscribe to our newsletter or click the Facebook logo to head to our Facebook page. It's easy as mar. I'm Justine Murray. I'm Mariah Rakraku, and this is Teahika. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After 170 years, is there anything new we can learn about the Treaty of Waitangi?
0: Well, according to Hohoa Kalan, who's reviewing the Auckland University Press book, The Treaty of Waitangi Companion, Māori and Pākehā from Tasman to today, yes?
10: Um, well, it is a big book. Uh, no, to be honest, I don't read it cover from cover because um, it's really not that sort of a book. It's more of a, a, a source book. Uh, I feel it's a source book for... Educators and maybe workshop facilitators, and uh, just for the layperson, uh, and it's it's really about um, the Treaty of Waitangi, uh, the background to the Treaty of Waitangi, and more so the uh, the journey that the Treaty of Waitangi has taken uh, over the past two hundred years.
0: But I mean, hasn't the Treaty of Waitangi been kind of done to death?
10: That's what that's what I thought. Um, that's what I thought, because um, if you look around you, there's, there's tons and tons of books about the Treaty of Waitangi, yeah. uh, but the difference with this, um, that I found with this book is that uh, it, it, it drew largely upon first-hand accounts of the people and the players who are actually there, the people who are making ha- history as it happened, um, and it relies heavily on the use of um, first-hand accounts, diary entries, letters, correspondence, photographs, and also newspapers of the time, and it brings the it brings people's voices to life, as uh, few books have.
0: And how did you find that?
10: I, I, personally, I found that really good. Uh, I found it quite refreshing, actually, because it, it's really short on academic dissertation, and, and it's long on substance. I mean, if people wanted to go and enjoy a, a long academic treatise, I mean, there's tons of books out there that they can do it with. Uh, but the refreshing thing for me with this book is... Um, that you could just dip into it, um, uh, find whatever tickles your fancy, and um, and it was you know, whatever you're looking for is really accessible.
0: Now, just the format alone is quite different, eh? So when I open yeah. up a page, it kind of it, it's almost like it has sentences that have been split up, and then it has what that sentence actually means. Yep. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that before.
10: And I think that's what makes this, this book different from from um, the many other books that um, are out there. I mean, it, it's very it, it's made up of snippets. Yeah, I thought it was a fresh, breath of fresh air because the reader doesn't have to wade through uh, screeds and screeds and pages of uh, academic dissertation. It, it's really I found it really easily digestible. And uh, I think uh, the good thing about this book, uh, uh, a strength about this book, is that it brings the treaty um, from out of the academic uh, dusty shelves and uh, really communicates uh, the treaty uh, in a way that it's accessible to um, everybody.
0: It tends to colour in a bit of the history, eh? So you get a real sense of what the world was like at that time.
10: Yeah, I mean, I I joked about I, I, I I think about this book as a DVD that you can read. It's what, when I first uh, went through the book, I thought that, that was the name that I coined up for this book. By uh, the description of it, it's, a, it's like a DVD you can read. And um, the strength about this book is that it's short on somebody's, someone else's commentary and uh, really long on uh, a substance. You actually get to hear firsthand from the people uh, who were around at the time, the people who were making history happen, rather than um, seeing it through the eyes of some uh, academic. I think uh, it's a really good resource, and I think the people who are going to enjoy this the most are teachers, uh, students, workshop facilitators, and uh, amateur historians. I mean, um, I used to run 3D workshops, and uh, this is about some 10 years ago, and I wish that uh, a book like this had been around uh, then. that would have saved me a lot of time. I uh, really enjoyed this book. It's easy to read and informative, and it deserves a of place in every New Zealand household. That's what I think. Uh, ko tuhoi te iwi, ko Te Urawera, ko Ngāti Rongo, ko, ko Patu ngā hapū, uh, ko, ko Kalantō kuingwa, ingoa, uh, no Waiu Hau ahau, uh, kai te mihi atu au uh, ki te, te whakarongo. Uh, whakarongo mai nei yo kōtau kāinga. Kia ora!
0: Kia ora hoa kalan. For more information about the book The Treaty of Waitangi Companion, you can go to our webpage radionz.co.nz
1: forward slash teahika, and click into our book reviews page tewetewete. And over the next few months, make sure to keep a lock to the show as we profile more books on teahika.
0: Although media coverage of Waitangi in the past has focused on the angst between Māori and Pākehā, it's important to remember one of the key
1: tenets of the old Māori is to host people. That is, to look after your manuhiri visitors. And we have many fakatoki that illustrate this. Here's one. He tangata takahi manuhiri, he marae puehu. A person that tramples the visitors has a dusty marae. And what that
0: basically means is that If you don't look after your visitors, dust will gather on your marae. So dust doesn't gather when there's a busy marae. So for places like Teti Marae Waitangi and Tūranga Waiwai Marae and Ngāru this practice is even more important, not only because of their historical national significance, but because of the sheer numbers of people that visit. As the chairperson of Te Thimarae, Peter Praone and his Fano
1: crew, find the months of planning and years of execution comes in handy for the annual Waitangi Day festivities. It's an election year, and with fellow Ngāpuhi politician Hone Harawira very much in the news at present, I asked Peter Puraone whether the bigger political picture has any effect on the day.
2: But kaupapa is, I, I don't believe is, there is a connect between that and the uh and the uh, what shall I say the uh commemorative services that we've we planned for for Waitangi however our people being what and who they are will certainly uh express some some view about that and although it may not be uh, related to uh to the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi uh, I think it probably will have, have, have some, some impact, but I don't think it will be as, as great as uh, the level of protest surrounding uh, the seabed foreshore. And in, in fact, that, that issue is really an in-house, in-party uh, uh, matter, and if uh, some of my relatives choose to, to raise it at Waitangi, then it really is uh, of their choice and not a, uh, an issue that uh, that I believe is relative to the uh, the Treaty of Waitangi.
1: So Peter, as a member of the um, of the organising committee, what what's your um, do you work all the the, the entire year um, putting together the commemorative Waitangi Day?
2: Well, uh, I, I would suggest that uh, it is probably more like nine months of of, of the year, uh, six months. Leading up to the um, uh, to the uh, the day itself, and another three months uh, clearing all our uh, accounts, ensuring that uh, all uh, all accounts have been paid, reports have been completed, and by the time we we do that, we get a, a, a three months respite, and we're ready to go through the the process again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Peter, I've got a list of, um, you know, various roles that you've been involved with over the years and, um, including your, your tertiary education and your work in the public service. I mean, but what are you up to these days?
2: Well, I'm, uh, actually, uh, regional manager for the Maori trustee. And if you look at my CV, you'll see that I, I, I used to work for the Maori trustee and, uh, I think I was very fortunate to uh, get one of my old jobs uh, back after my p- parliamentary career. But I, it's always been uh, something, uh, perhaps I was growing up, I, I grew up into it in uh, having a sense of being able to serve your, your, your fellow man. Um, and uh, I had enough uh, people around me growing up who, who, who had that sort of ethic. Of com- contributing to their their community, and so, you know, the likes of uh, Sir James Henare, my my father, and uh, and a lot of my uncles and aunties who spent a lot of time uh, contributing their services to the betterment of their their community, and so my service in terms of uh, Mary Affairs, uh, Mary Affairs economic development, and all that is just a extension of uh, what I was
1: brought up on. Peter, if we could go back to, um, I'd like to, for you to share your memories about um, Waitangi commemorations. Um, you know, with uh, Radio New Zealand, we, we have an Tonga Kōrero archives, and um, this week we're playing a, a segment from 1992 of Dame Te Tairangi Kahu. Are there any um, moving speeches or, or moments that you've heard from your leaders in particular that you can draw on?
2: Oh I I think the uh, the, uh, the the uh, the speeches from uh, Sir James Henare mm-hmm. uh, and there was a speech from Sir Hepi Te and uh Toko Tekani from uh, Ngati Pro I thought that those speeches that they gave on those occasions were inspirational uh not only for for the nation but for for maori as, as well and to see uh, those uh, the ilk, ilk of the, of that leadership um, while we may it, some people may say that uh, we don't see that amongst the, our leadership at the moment
1: I was going to ask you
2: it, uh, mm-hmm. but it certainly is uh, something that for me I, uh, I i took heart from and probably is uh in, in a uh overt or covert uh way influenced my uh the path that I've taken.
1: With everything that kind of goes on at Waitangi commemorations today, um with all the um you know, when you see dirt being thrown in Don Brash's face <laughs> yes. and Helen Clark crying in previous years and um <laughs> how do you think our leaders such as James Henare, would, would view those activities
2: uh, 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 the, I know that they certainly would not approve. They may have approved uh, 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 um, of the argument that has caused that 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 type of uh, of uh, protest, but they certainly would not approve the way that that protest was carried out, uh, because it runs contrary to the whole ethic of uh, manaakitanga, which. Uh, all those uh, leaders are certainly uh, uh, displayed towards their uh, manuhiri. And to see the way that our manuhiri are being treated uh, uh, by some of the uh, types of protests that that, uh, carry on certainly isn't something that I believe that they would not have supported, and I certainly don't support.
1: As part of the organising committee, Peter, do you get a sense of, you know, you guys work nine, six, three months, um, you know, towards yes. the commemorations? And then when something doesn't quite, you know, when something happens um, like the dirt Don Donbash's face, do you think, oh, you know, are you disappointed? I mean, oh, it, it, it is
2: uh, certainly d- disappointed, yeah. and it, it's, it's more depressing when you, you see amongst the, uh, the group of protesters that uh, a majority of them are your own relatives. And, uh, and I suppose that is uh, a life. I used to uh, be you know, feel personally responsible for, for that sort of sort of action when I first became involved uh, as, as part of the, the leadership of the organizing uh, uh, committee. Uh, but uh, while I, I still feel a sense of, uh, of personal uh, responsibility. Uh, the pain is not as, uh, as as acute as now as it was then.
1: Um, so, Peter, if we can turn to this this year's uh, commemorations, what, what what is happening at uh, at Waitangi this year?
2: Well, uh, uh, based on the uh, formula that we've uh, used over recent years, which seems to be uh, uh, a reason for for more and more people coming back to Waitangi is that the day will start with a uh, dawn karakia. That karakia is intended to uh, be uh, one where the old Maori incantations incant- uh, uh, are, are invoked and that will be followed by at, at oh, the, that particular karakia starts at 5 o'clock in, in the morning. Following that, the, uh, the New Zealand flag will be uh, raised and that uh, is uh, usually done by by the navy, but in previous years we used to uh, put it up uh, the day before because of the the level of uh, protest that uh, that was being exercised at that time. And then at around about ten o'clock, we have what we call an interdenominational church service. That is. Um, conducted by the, uh, the Bishop of Taitokero for the Anglican Church and usually includes a, um, a a noted speaker. And this year, the noted speaker will be our Governor-General, Sir Anand Sachanen, and uh, the significant, significance of that is that this will be the last Waitangi day that uh, Sir Anand will be in attendance in his capacity as the Governor General, okay. because we well know that uh, later this year he steps down from that uh, that office, and so we just wanted to have the opportunity to recognise uh, his um, his involvement with Waitangi over the over the years, particularly as Governor General, and then during the day from ten o'clock onwards, we will have a number of sporting activities in conjunction with a. Uh, entertainment during the during the day, and all that will run through to around about four half past four after which time the twenty three waka that we are expecting at Waitangi this year will all uh, be um, come back to shore, and the day will be concluded by the uh, beating of the of the retreat by the navy or yeah. no Ngo Ngāti Hine e roto o Ngāpuhi, a, he, ko Tupuna, ko Hine Amaru, a, ko marai Marae, ko Otiria me Motatau. E kinei te mo e pāna Ngāti Hine, he, he, he puke-puke e rau. Nā reira he ia puke, he rangatira. Nā reira ko tēnei iau, a, ko Peter Praone, e korero atu nei kia koe e Justine
0: keeping it real, talking with Justine about the Waitangi Day commemorations. This is Teahikam Radio New Zealand National. I'm Maria Rakraku. And I'm Justine Murray, Narere te iwi mai te rongo. Prior to the Treaty of Waitangi, there was the Declaration of Independence signed in 1835. Northern based iwi played a major role as the Ariki Nui, named the Ataarangi Kahu, the former Māori Queen, reminds those gathered at Waitangi in 1992. <music>
3: ā e tū puna whare i tūnei tēnā koru. ngā mā waka o ō tātou motu teranggatai tēnā kotu katoa i roto i tēnei tena koto koe hui maine tātou ki te whakaui ki te whakahonore i te o Waitang. Kāwana tianara, te kāhurangi Katarina. Tēnā koe, e wahanei i ngā tikanga, e pāana tūranga e maunā iā koe. Kia ka? mā koe heitiaki, he manaaki i ngā wā katoa. Te kāwanatanga o Aotearoa, ngā rangatira o ngā kāwana tanga O to tōpito e whāo te ao, Tēnā koto katoa. Te tai toke rau. Rauranga tira mā, Tēnā Koto, I hō mai nei kia ho Tēnā wāhanga. Kia whakatakoto i tehi pitopito kōrero. Ki mōi tato Ara kirunga i tēnei marae. Nō reira, tēnā koto. Tēnā katoa. We do not know when f- people first came to live in this beautiful place, but we do know that Kupe, our honoured ancestor, was here centuries before Captain Cook. Later, my tupuna gave us these words, e hora ana te marino, e muana te moana, e tereana ana te karohiroi calm is widespread here, and the sea glistens like the greenstone, sending a shimmer of light back and forth. And when, over 200 years ago, a voyager on Cook's ship gazed upon this landscape and across the splendid bay, he wrote, It was full of an innumerable quantity of islands, forming as many harbors which must be as smooth as mill ponds as they landlock one another numberless times. The beauty of this place continued to enchant our ancestors right up until that unique meeting in 1769, when Māori and Pākehā began their relationship here on these very shores. And those Pākehā who came those first settlers and voyagers wrote of villages on every headland, homes on every island, with cultivated gardens neatly planned and lovingly cared for, bountiful fisheries cunningly marked and well protected. This was a place good for people, a place of abundance, of safe haven. Even now, it radiates with all those qualities it shines with a sense of well-being of great promise still including that which was made here the one which has brought us all together on this national marae we should remember how within our lifetime this treaty house was rescued from neglect by lord bledisloe and its desolate acres transformed into quiet forest and parkland. I would like at this moment to acknowledge the Waitangi National Trust Board and their staff, whose wisdom, hard work, and insightful planning over the years have created this gracious environment. We are here together this evening because a treaty was made at this place. Though it lay dormant for a while, the treaty is now as robust and dynamic as when first signed. For it speaks not only with the voices of all our tūpuna, but with the measured words of judicial and tribunal commentary, particularly over this last decade. The learned have had their say, following the rangatahi, who shouted here, till they too were heard, and the politicians of all parties claim they are prepared to face the resolution of historic grievances so that a sense of peace and prosperity may again prevail. From this place and this time, let us gaze further afield, far beyond the tranquil waters of Perfairangi, far beyond our own issues and our own shores. The treaty signalled the beginning of a favourable and productive relationship between two cultures and two peoples. It was built on trust, the mutual recognition of mana and sincere cooperation. It was built upon our common and binding humanity. Beyond us, Out there are many other peoples and cultures striving towards the same ideals. Many of their representatives are here with us. It is the spirit of all of their ancestors we call to be with us in this place this evening. No mai, haere mai. Let me now address the wider role that Maori people seek. It is appropriate that globally we be seen as a people, as a culture, distinct and unique. As the world changes, indigenous populations remain, offering the opportunity for a more sensitive and embracing solution to many of the world's problems. By sustaining and celebrating our identity as Māori, we reach out and reinforce our relationship to our Pacific cousins and our distant kin in Southeast Asia. We can also extend ourselves further by presenting a model of harmony and cooperation of hope and compassion in these troubled yet exciting years. For we are a small island nation, yet one enriched by a merging of peoples of sensibilities, of dreams, enjoying the good times, learning from the bad, and sharing what we can with those in need. You may well ask, what has this got to do with writing a Day? The point is, if we are to participate in world debate, then we must decide how. One way is to introduce to the world a genuinely bicultural Aotearoa, with both Māori and Pākehā seen as two partners in every aspect of trade, cultural exchange, tourism, scientific endeavour, foreign aid, everything. This can only be achieved by more than just projecting an image overseas. Rather, it requires meaningful and valid Māori input on all levels. At this moment, the Whakakotahitanga o Aotearoa, the Māori Congress, is seeking recognition at the United Nations in the spirit of partnership. Together, we might contribute a bicultural perspective to the process of resolving many of the world's major issues, from the crisis of the environment and shrinking resources to the harshly human experience of terrorism and war, as all such matters are discussed at various international gatherings in this year and the years to come. There are many such forums ahead of us. This year, is the International Year of the Environment. Next year is the International Year of Indigenous People. Following that, the International Year of the Family. How wonderful it will be if we can carry, from the common accord that we celebrate here, a clear understanding that our nation's voice truly speaks to the global condition from the wisdom of both our cultural traditions. Then we would speak as a nation for all of the 1500 years of this country's actual human history, not merely the messages of the past century and a half. The same perspective applies to our closer relationships in the South Pacific Forum. This can be much more than the meeting of trade or state delegations. It should be the drawing together of cultures, of identities, which strengthen, inspire and stimulate each other. To date, Maori people have no voice in such places except as incidental representatives of the dominant culture. We need to remind ourselves however that as Polynesians we live in Te Akiwa. As Pacific people we have a strong bond with those other people who are nourished by our great ocean and whose lives touch ours commercially as well as culturally. What then happens to our Aotearoa's indigenous or bicultural concerns? A Samoan speaks for Samoa. A Tongan speaks for Tonga. So I ask, māwai e kawaiatu taku kupu I believe that the treaty proclaims that we should always be together side by side, whether that be in the corridors of power, on the sports field, at the beach, in graduation ceremonies, in television, across the boardroom table, or wherever else we may be. Yet, we must all admit that this has not been so, and therefore we must make it so. We must move towards each other with tolerance, patience, and sensitivity, with the understanding that we are forming a new whānau and so must find a new way. By doing this, we begin to heal some of the problems that plague this planet. An international Maori perspective is not new. The 1835 Declaration of Independence was an attempt by our forebears to claim their place in the world of nations as a viable trading entity with which, with whom other nation states, made effective trade agreements. Several European governments did this. The world at large knew who the Māori were and from where they were coming. This happened despite a widely scattered tribal system. Abroad, the Māori entrepreneur had an established and reputable international status. We were a considerable economic power, and we can be again. For this may have been one of the original assurances of the treaty. My were keen to acquire new knowledge and skills. They learned what they could from the earliest voyages and settlers. As soon as they could, they traveled to their source, actively seeking information, technology, and raw materials in Sydney, New England, and Europe. They returned and developed their resources through extensive flax milling, commercial horticulture, boat building, shipping, and food production. Again, they were boundless, eager, visionary, yet firmly part of this place, of this identity, of this Aotearoa, of this New Zealand. It is with that same spirit, that same energy, that we would participate in international discourse as partners in the treaty. Now that the treaty is more vocal, alive and vigorous, we are prompted to look again at our partnership, at our recognition of and respect for our differences and diversities. We stand once more side by side, separate yet together. This place Waitangi began with a promise of hope. Let us revive that promise. Let us honor and celebrate it. Let us realize its potential, a potential that can best be fulfilled by our total participation in matters of both domestic and global responsibility. We move into the future together as one nation. This is our hope. For that, after all, is how the world's nations should see and meet and talk with us. That is the promise of Waitangi. And this sentiment was reflected later by my tupuna, who said to his people, There is only one eye of the needle through which the red, the white, and the dark thread must pass. After I am gone, hold fast to the law, to faith and to love. Nō etakawana e te kawana, tirama, katoa, ko hui mai nei, Tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou, paimāre.
0: Nā taonga with the light. Te Araki Nui, named Te Atairangi Kahu, recorded in 1992 at the Waitangi Day Commemorations in Waitangi. Anei rā, hārata Te ata Simeon with this week's Whakatauki. Me mā
11: tonu te tanata i roto ka taia ia, na mea katoa. If the person inside their heart and soul believes that they, they can do this work beyond reproach, then you are the person that we're looking for. And you are out there, and I encourage you to step up and not be afraid um, to come forward and lead your people to victory because uh, at the moment we need to stop stepping back and start stepping forward and stepping upwards. Um, There's no more room for you on the platform. You have to move forward, you know, like in the kitchen. If you are past the age of blah... Next, move over, girl. You've got to move over. Guys, move over. Learn what you need to learn because our karewas are few and far between. But in saying that, I say this all in love. And I say this all in love um, because ko koe, ko au, ko tāua, ka tāia, nā mea you and I can reach many heights. Hi, ko harata te amo Simeon no nai tūhoi, no Ngātiawa ki te wara hui. Uh, nō kahonunu hoki, uh, te hapū, te iwi ko pā hauwera, uh, e noho ana I I rohe o tātua, uh, ki wairaka, whakatāne ki wairaka, e nari i mai i farua i o ruatoki, ruatāhuna, me waimana kāku.
1: kiaura. That's our show for another week. To listen to it again, head to mobile page radio.nz.co.nz forward slash te If you'd like to contact us, email teahikaa at radionz.co.nz or write to us at Radio NZ, PO Box 123, Wellington. Next week,
0: imagine seeing a fire right outside your marae and having it only metres from destroying its buildings. It was a close call for the whanau at the Ore Ore Marae in Masterton. Justine talks to Jason Kerehi. And the
1: pew-pew have been dusted off. Kapahaka practices have been gearing up around the Mutsu. We talk next week about Matatini, the annual Kapahaka National Competition. And don't forget, I'll be bringing you that recording from that four o'clock start this morning. <laughs> hey, Infano mā, check out our Facebook page, eh, and tell us who your favourite group is. <laughs> ko tai anō ki te, a te ahika. That's the show for another week. He ki nā kai erero, wiki. He mihia no ki tā mātou mihini, mai te whanau atia hikā kia tatou katoa, mauri ora katoa.